0: What's up, fam? Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you, I appreciate that. I always have a few who will be kind and greeting and responsive. A few people who are polite. Wow, I just threw a lot of shade for, that wasn't even intentional. But look, I'm excited about tonight. I don't want to be in you guys' way for, for too long, but we have something really, really special taking place tonight. We have some guests in the house, and, and before—thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we do the full greeting, I just want to, to briefly say a few things. We have uh, 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 some friends of ours in the house, Pastor Camilo Buchanan and his wife Emily Buchanan from Passion City Church. They are— helping to do the same mission that we're trying to accomplish here, which is seeing young adults follow Jesus and stay following Jesus and walk in purpose and prioritize the calling of God on their lives. Many of you guys have heard of Passion City or been to Passion Conference, and we're very excited to have Camilo here. And one of the things that I shared with him yesterday is one of the things that I love about Camilo is his heart for this city. And it's, it's been inspiring to me just from a, from a leadership standpoint to hear how he speaks about the city of Atlanta that he's doing ministry in and the heart and the love that he has for the city of Atlanta. And it's been inspiring to me and, and eye-opening for me to see uh, just how to prioritize not just who's coming in the building, and not just who we're running into on a day-to-day basis, but to really like understand the importance of the territory that you've been planted in. And so many of you guys have been planted in a particular territory for a particular reason, and it would behoove you to know the space that you're in and how God might wanna use you there. Amen? Amen. Cool, I just wanted to say, say a few kind things, and if you guys would do me a favor. And do not embarrass me when we got a guest in the house. You know I'm playing with y'all. But if you'll stand to your feet and give a warm victory welcome to Pastor Camilo.
1: Come on, come on, victory. Can you make some noise for Jesus in here real quick? Yeah. That's who we came to lift up. Y'all grab a seat. Y'all grab a seat. You look amazing. Uh, I'm so hyped to be here. Been looking forward to this. I uh, have been to Victory Young Adults before. I've just snuck in and wanted to attend because what God is up to here is special. Amen. Uh, This is something unique. I hope y'all know that. Uh, I think sometimes when you come to something regularly, it can seem like this is normal or that this is what is supposed to happen. No, this is a move of God that is happening in your city, and I'm just blessed to be a part of it, blessed to have the proximity I have to Pastor Vance and Gabrielle, and uh, me and Emily, just, you're like big bro to me. You just uh, are someone I can look up to, and uh, to have someone else in this city fighting for young adults like this is, is huge to me. I do love Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm originally from the Bay Area, California, 510, Hy-Fi, If anyone, if anyone familiar. <laughs> Uh, I am Jamaican, okay, and so... Wagwan! here? All right. Um... I should have known. Victory, you... I got all the flags. Yeah, it makes sense. This is gonna work. Uh, all the Caribbean people, pick up on yourselves, real quick, one time. Come, come, come. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right. Um, as I was saying, (laughs) I just love this city. I love Atlanta, Georgia. I think it is the greatest, uh, city on this side. Okay. That whole thing came off on this side of the United States. And, uh, to see this crowd, this group, I was stressed about what I wanted to, to preach because I, I'm not just saying this. My wife is here, she'll tell you, I don't say this. I've never said this anywhere else I've gone. I just think the young adults in this space have such a unique call of God on their lives. I was just like, God, what do you wanna encourage them with? They, these people uh, change culture. These people shape culture, and so uh, that you would give me a few, a few moments of your time means the world to me. Uh, love, love being here. Get to be here with my beautiful wife, Emily, and, and I love you. Uh, We'll, we'll be married four years in May, uh, met at our church's Young Adult Ministries, so if any single folks, you know, find each other, uh, it'll be great. Astrid's here too, Astrid's on our team down in Atlanta doing an incredible job, and so, so grateful for her. Um, y'all ready for the word? Do you have a copy of scripture on you? If you do, if you could open that up, we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19 is where I'm going to start, and then we're going to pop over just a couple verses I want to read out of Matthew, chapter 5. Luke 19 uh, comes at the end of Jesus' time on earth. Uh, He has been alive for about 33 years at this point. He's coming to the end of about three years worth of ministry in Luke chapter 19, and we have this encounter with Jesus and someone known as Zacchaeus. It's a pretty familiar story, one you, you learn in Sunday school or growing up. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. Again, if you have a copy of scripture, you could follow along, or you could uh, use your iPhone, iPad, eyeballs, I think it's on the screen there, yeah. Uh, it says this, then Jesus, entered and passed through Jericho. So Jesus is on a road trip, right? And he's coming through the city of Jericho when behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. It's telling you that not just to give you some background on Zacchaeus and his occupation, but you have to understand that tax collectors at this time uh, in this culture were hated. Uh, you, you remember that Israel is not free at this time. They're being occupied by the Romans and the Roman government taxes the people with no type of representation whatsoever. And so Zacchaeus is actually a Jew who works on behalf of the Roman government. He is seen as a traitor to everyone. He is uh, the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lows. No one wants anything to do with him. He's not just a tax collector, but the text says he's the chief tax collector Uh, and he is rich. Not just that he's done well at his job, but what tax collectors would do is your tax rate from Rome might be 15%, but they hit you up and say, hey, you owe 27% and they'd keep that extra for themselves. This is how he got rich, not by doing his job well, but by exploiting his brothers and sisters, and now he is the chief tax collector. He has risen in the ranks in his depravity. He is uh, accustomed to sinning in a professional manner, and he's very rich, but verse 3, he sought to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd, for Zacchaeus was short. So he did what any logical person would do, and he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried down, came down, and received Jesus joyfully. But when they, they's the crowd, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, Jesus has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Scene change. We, we switch to dinner, verse 8. Don't know the full context of what happened, but here's what, where we jump in. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I'll restore it to them four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today... Salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Beautiful. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, two verses I want to read. This is from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is actually the introduction to his first sermon. I just want to read two verses, verses 8 and 9. Jesus says this, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Read that one more time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The Son of Man, verse 10 of Luke 19, came to seek and save that which was lost. Tell someone next to you, say, if you're lost, Jesus is looking for you. Come on, we're going to have a good time tonight. If you're taking notes, which I'd encourage you to take notes because nerds take notes and nerds run the world, the the title of our time together is this, A Tree to See. A Tree to See. Pray with me one more time and we'll jump into the word. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you uh, for your Holy Spirit. I would ask you to come and move, but you're already doing that, so you just keep on doing what you're doing and we'll follow you. Uh, This whole room is an altar, Jesus. Do what you want to do. I said you stand with me and strengthen me that I might preach this message fully, boldly how you've given it to me, and then, Jesus, if I can, I'm asking that you would save in this room tonight. I'm asking that you would heal in this room tonight. I'm asking that you would set people free in this room tonight. Above all, Jesus, I'm asking that you would be glorified in this room tonight. If you're glorified, all those other things will happen as a byproduct. You say in your word, if you are lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. So stand on your word and do it. We love you. We trust you. Holy Spirit, move. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Y'all my kind of people. I can tell already. Where are the Jamaicans at again? That's a very civilized way. Usually it's like, bah, bah, but it's cool, it's cool. It's 2024, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It, it, that, that text is beautiful. It, it's kind of poetic, isn't it? Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll be the ones to encounter God. You you have a pure heart, you see him, it sounds all nice, but then you realize very quickly it's kind of devastating because what it's saying is the pure in heart are the ones who get to see God. And if you're honest with yourself, you realize pretty quickly, you and I, we do not have a pure heart. But but we all want to see God. That's the desire for everyone. That, That is what we are all striving to do. We're all trying to see God. What do I mean by that? I mean to know your maker. I mean to know that you have purpose on this earth. I mean, to, to see something so beautiful, it takes your breath away. I mean, to, to have something worth living for, to, to have something worth dying for, to, to know your life has purpose, to know you're loved. This is what you are created for. In fact, if you don't know your purpose in here tonight, you came on the right night. I'm going to tell it to you. Your purpose on this planet is that you would see God and reflect God. The reason you are here. The reason you were born, whatever year you were born in, the reason you're occupying space in Atlanta is that you would see God and reflect God to the city. That you would see God personally and reflect him everywhere you go. That this is what we're all looking for. It's the goal of every religion, really, not just Christianity. Uh, Hinduism is telling you, if you do these things, this is how you'll see God. Islam will tell you, if you do these things, this is how you'll see God. Uh, atheists are telling you, it, it, you don't even need to do a religion thing. If you just uh, come to this place in yourself, this is how you can have the same feeling as seeing God. This is what we're all trying to do. Here's how you can see God. That's why for a lot of us in this room, we're, we're, we're still struggling or we have struggled with addiction or, or we're chasing something. It's because we're not satisfied with what is. Surely there must be more to see than what is in front of me. I know I'm made for more. You may not even know what you're searching for, but I promise you what it is, is God. You thought you'd find that feeling in a high. You thought you'd find that feeling in, in good vibes. <laughs> you you thought you'd find that, that feeling in knowing your sign and astrology. You, you thought you'd find that feeling if you could have enough sex or get into that relationship. You thought you'd find it if you could be successful at work. You thought you'd find it by accumulating knowledge. Let's talk about in the church. You thought you'd find it if you just got in the right community. But what we're talking about is seeing God to come to a point in life where it makes sense and you'd feel worthy. And my hypothesis is that you've, if you've gone anywhere but God, it has failed you every time. And here comes Jesus saying, oh, you want to see God? That's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First sermon, the intro to the sermon. You want to see God? That's easy. All you got to do is have a pure heart and you can see God. That, that's it. Jesus, what are you talking about? See God? Like, I know you've seen church, but have you seen God? I know you've seen religion, but have you seen God, I know you've seen a conference, but have you seen God? Because what Jesus is saying to us is we don't have to settle for the medium, we can see the source. We've gotten so casual in church today that I just said you can see God and no one passed out. We all just read that and went on about our day. This is crazy. When you read the Bible, no one just sees God. Okay, Isaiah saw God and he fell down as if he was dead. When, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, he was Saul at the time, he sees God. He's knocked off his, his animal and blinded for days by what he's seen. Moses, Moses and God are friends. One time Moses says, hey, God, you know, we talk all the time. I'm taking notes for you. I'm going to call them the commandments. Like, like I'm, I'm doing all these things. But, but, you know, I've never seen you. You, you think I can, I can see you? And God says, no. No, 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 that, that won't work. Me and you aren't the same. I'm I'm holy. I'm other. I'm different. Here's what I'm going to do. Moses, I like you. you my boy for real. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, You hide behind that rock, and I'll pass by, and you can look at my backside. (laughs) And it said that when Moses saw God's back, his face ended up glowing for months. This is who we're talking about. He's holy, he's he's other, He's, he's set apart, this is why. You can't just gaze upon him any kind of way. You can't even look the sun in the eyes and you think you're gonna look at the God who coughed out the sun with your eyes? What we're talking about doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. In Scripture, you can meet me once a year in a temple or something, or, or I'll send Jesus down, and, and he can look at you in a flesh suit, or, or I'll send my Holy Spirit to live inside of you, but you can't just see me because your heart is not pure. It's not that he's, he's sheepish about sin. Ugh, they're dirty. No, I don't really like the humans. No, no, no. It's not that he's sheepish about sin. He's just that Holy. A couple of years ago, all these billionaires were in this race to make a spaceship to go up into space. Y'all remember this? And Jeff Bezos had his, and Richard Branson had his, and everyone's trying to get up into space. And they, they went up a, a, a few thousand miles, but no one got close to the sun. And if they ever did, thousands of miles before they ever got close, they would be incinerated. It's not because the sun hates Jeff Bezos, it's because the sun is that hot. It's that, oh, you're not built to be this close to me. This is who our God is. You can't get near him any kind of way. I, I'm just Camilo. You know what I'm saying? Like, after y'all can come up, holler at me. If the president of the United States was in this room, you don't just walk up to the man. You will get shot long before you're close. <laughs> because of the position he holds. God doesn't hold a position. He holds a crown. He holds a throne. David tries to to break it down. He says to himself, as he starts to consider this, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And then he thinks to himself, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. That is not a formula for you to follow. That is a confession for you to grieve. Because the reality is that is the only people who can ascend the hill of the Lord, who can see God, and you don't have clean hands, and I don't have a pure heart. It doesn't matter how much you know about God, the requirement to see Him is an intellectual. It doesn't matter your, your race or your culture. The requirement to see him isn't cultural. It doesn't matter how, how good you are, how saved you are. And you know all of the new songs. And you, as soon as Elevation or Maverick drops another one, you in there, oh, another one, another one. Like, like that doesn't matter in your quiet time, three hours. It wasn't about how good you were anyways. This is a matter of the heart. The heart meaning the center of who you are. The heart meaning your your will, your, your emotions, your soul, it's been defiled is what the text would say. Scripture says that the heart is deceitful. Scripture says the heart is wicked. Scripture says who can know the heart? You know what Jesus says? Jesus says out of the heart produces evil thoughts, murder, adultery, abuse, theft, lies. It's not a matter of your thinking. It's worse than that. It's a matter of your heart. I know, I know culture saying, oh, you know, just do you, follow your heart, go where you go. The problem is the Bible says the opposite. Their problem, your problem is you have, you have a broken heart. And when you're broken hearted and you realize you are, you mourn. If you were to read the verse earlier in in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. A lot of people think that text is just about sadness and it can be applied in that way. But what he's talking about mourning is your sin and your brokenness. Blessed are those who mourn where they are for I will comfort them. Why am I mourning? I'm mourning because I'm not pure. What does pure mean? Pure means whole. Pure means singular. Pure means undefiled. Uh, One time I was leading a service trip, mission trip uh, down to a a country, uh, a country in the Caribbean, and we were building stuff for them, and it was all going fine. I had done it a whole bunch of times before. And so it's me, I'm in college leading this team of about 29 young adults. And, and so we're down there and, and we're building and uh, we're, we're getting the bricks and everything. And how you build here where we were, they didn't have all the, the tools. And so they actually had like a, a manual concrete mixer, you know what I'm saying? And so you take uh, some concrete mix, you throw it in this little machine that spins and you throw in uh, some sand in there, and then you throw in some water. What we were building was a water purification center because this community didn't have any clean water. The water that we got to put in it was from uh, this local little river thing that they used to do everything, to clean themselves, to use the bathroom, all the things. Uh, we're on the trip. First day, everything's going good. It's going good, feel good, everything's great. Second day, everything's good, everything feels good, it's great. On the third day, uh, I woke up and my, my tummy, y'all been here, my tummy just wasn't, it, it wasn't right, right? Like I needed some tea for my Jamaican. Like it was just, it wasn't good what was happening. Uh, the guy leading the trip with me, his name was Ryan, one of my best friends. I said, Ryan, I know it's my turn to go knock on the doors, wake everybody up. I, I need you to go do that. Ryan goes to do it. He comes back. He says, hey, funny thing. Like, like six other people say their, their stomachs hurt. Uh, for the next five days of this trip, at this place where we were staying, where it was over 100 degrees every day and there was no AC, uh, we proceeded to expel everything in our bodies all over the place for the next five days. 30 young 20-somethings throwing up, coming out the back, sweating, farting. You can't flush the toilet paper where we were staying. Like it was just, sm- I cannot describe to y'all the smell of this place. It will sit with me forever in life. Like, it was terrible. We were taking folks to the hospital. I was like, I'm gonna get sued. I done took these people's kids, they are gonna die. Like it was not a good time. Somehow we made it back on the plane. Legit, the moment we landed, one of the girls went straight to Grady to the hospital. They started checking her out. They said, oh yeah, we see the problem is, is there, there's a parasite in, in the system said, a parasite? We, we, we wasn't doing nothing. We, were, we weren't drinking the water. We had our own bottled water. They said, no, no, no. You said that you took some water from the, the stream and you threw it in the concrete mixer? Yeah, all that had to do was get through your pores and ruined us. Something small, not something big, something, something that you can't see. And now you're not pure. Now you're broken. I think the problem is we often think that purity is graded on a curve, right? Right? Like, like we think, we think purity is like this. Like, like if this is pure right here, this gonna represent pure. That's gonna be pure, and then this, uh, this gonna be you. What's your name, boss? Rodrigo. This is Rodrigo. Okay, everyone say, "Hey, Rodrigo." Hey, Rodrigo. What's your name, boss? Mike, okay. Uh, this Rodrigo, this Mike, everybody say, hey Mike. hey, Mike. This is Pierre over here. A lot of us think that, that, that sin is like this. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I sin a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes I cuss. You know, I do be cussing sometimes. Uh, uh, sometimes... You know, I, I be scrolling on, on TikTok at the wrong stove. you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't should, should move it from my algorithm, you know what I mean? But, but I ain't crazy. Like, I'm not a center center. Like, I, I'm Rodrigo. Y'all know me, you know what I mean? Like, like, I'm chilling. But Mike? Mike is a sinner sinner. I don't know what we're going to do with Mike, bruh. We need the altar call right now. Pastor, wrap up the sermon. Like, like Mike, Mike got issues, bruh. He, you can't see nothing through, like Mike been all through these streets, all through these sheets. Like, Pastor, you, we got to do something about Mike. Now, Rodrigo, Rodrigo pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can make something was like in sepia. You know what I mean? But like, like Mike, nah, nah. But purity is not graded on a curve, purity by definition either is or is not. Either one of these is not pure. It doesn't matter how you stack up against your neighbor, your neighbor isn't who you were up against. You are up against a holy, holy God. Paul breaks this down for us, Romans 7. Uh, The things that I wanna do, I don't be doing, and the things that I don't want to do, I can't stop doing. Why? I have a heart problem. My my heart is broken. I, I don't know what to do. My heart is divided. I want to do good, but I like doing bad. I don't want to do bad, but it's kind of hard to do good. So now what? If the requirement to see God is you have to have a pure heart and you ain't got that. You might be a little better than your neighbor, but you still impure. Then what are you going to do? What you need is a heart transplant. That's the conclusion Paul comes to in Romans seven. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death. Then he goes, thanks be to Christ Jesus my Lord who has made a way for me. Why? I'm mourning, oh, wretched man that I am. But blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted by the God who provides heart transplants. You can say like David did, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit that I might not sin against you. And guess what God does? He takes David, who's a home wrecker, who's a murderer, who's a coward, and gives him a pure heart to the point where he says, me and David are connected at the heart level. That's a man after my own heart. That's how well they know each other. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. You cannot maintain a pure heart. You can't try to clean some of this up and maybe I can get pure. That's not gonna work. No, what you need is a heart transplant. You can only be given a pure heart. You can't maintain it. You can't create it. You can only receive it. And that is what is on the table for you tonight. Jesus illustrates this passage for us in Luke chapter 19 where we meet the character of Zacchaeus. I'm gonna just call him Zach for now. Uh, but Zach, like we said, he's, he's an excellent sinner. He, he, he like Mike, you know what I mean? Uh, that, that's Zach. But he's trying to see God. God's coming and this man who's a sinner is trying to see him. He's thought to himself, I've heard there's this guy claiming to be God and he's not afraid to eat with people like me. There's this guy claiming to be God and I hear he has one of us, a guy who works for me in his crew. I, I, I got to see it. I have to go see what all this is about. And so he tries to see God, but, but this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. And so it's, it's really blown up. There's a huge crowd there and Zacchaeus can't see over the crowd because Zacchaeus is short. Yeah. Uh, all my short people make some noise real quick. Let me hear from you. So, so. Cool, cool. Tall people, where you at? Tall people make some, oh, you got a tall church. God's tall church. <laughs> average height? Any average height? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was cool. But I think honestly, we we all should have made some noise as a short person, because what the text says is all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God. All of us are too short to see God because we have a heart problem. And so what do we do? We do what Zacchaeus does. We climb up in a tree so that we can see. So that we can have that feeling of worth, so that we can have that feeling of acceptance. I don't know what that tree is for you. For some of y'all, it's a tree of, of followers, and if I have enough status, if I, if my Instagram or my TikTok can pop off, that that's gonna be my tree. For some of you, it's your salary and, and the bonus and, and the commission. For some of you, it's how you rank against someone else in this room. For some of you, like I said, it could be that relationship. For others of you, it, it's. A tree we have today, manifestation. And I'm just going to manifest in my life. I'll Forget the Holy Spirit. I'll do it all on my own. Uh, for some of you, it's unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm just going to build a little tree house of bitterness here. And this is how I'm going to protect myself. And this is how I'm going to see God. We all have trees. I don't know what yours is, but you do. You know what you've been climbing up. All have trees. But Jesus is on his way. And then something interesting happens in verse 5. It says that when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus. That didn't bother y'all. That that bothered me. Uh, Physically, if, if you, Zach, are up in the tree, you're supposed to have the vantage point. You're supposed to be able from your vantage point to see Jesus coming. You're supposed to see him. But the text says that Jesus walked up and saw you. Here's my question. Who saw who? Zacchaeus is up in the tree. He's supposed to have the vantage point, but Jesus as he's making his way from where he is, he looks up and sees Zacchaeus first, how? Because Jesus' vantage point is different from your little tree you're trying to build for yourself. Jesus' vantage point is heaven. Jesus' vantage point is eternity. Jesus' vantage point is before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I'm coming to you to come to your house today. I know you don't have time to clean up. I know there's still some mess back there. I know there's still some sin back there. I know there's a, a broken heart back there. I know there's a lot of mess back there. I know you don't got time. It's a surprise. You didn't know. Ha ha. Uh, I must come to your house today. I see you. I have a different vantage point from whatever you're trying to do to eliminate that broken heart of yours. I made you. I knit you together. I see you. Zacchaeus, hurry down. I must come to your house today. So verse 6, Zacchaeus hurried down, came down, and received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, they being the crowd, they all complained, saying, Jesus has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus is elated, and the people are upset. Now before you call them haters, before you say they were tripping, you'd probably be mad too. I mean, here's the man that scammed you, and here's the man that saved you, and now they're hanging out together. Y'all know what it is. What what do you do when God blesses somebody who you know ain't living right? What do you do? when they get the man, and you know what they had to do to get the man, and you're still single. What, what, what do you do when they get the job, when they get the promotion, when they get to come on the platform and use their gifts, and you don't? Grace feels real good until it extends to somebody who's hurt us. Zacchaeus is happy and the crowd is upset because Jesus has gone in to dine with a sinner as if they are anything else but a sinner. The scene changes in verse 8. We don't know where it is in the meal, if this is uh, during the, the, the hors d'oeuvres or during the main course. Maybe this is for dessert. But at some point in the table, the scene changes. And subsequently, what we come to find out is Zacchaeus has been changed as well. Zacchaeus stands up at this dinner, says, look, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. And everyone I scammed, I'm going to pay them back four times over. I bet the crowd was real happy that Jesus hung out with Zacchaeus then. I bet they were real happy when they got their tax return the next year. <laughs> but my question is, what happened? Like, like, what class did Zacchaeus go to on how to live as a believer? None, there there was no time. He went from his house, I must come to your house today. It's the same day, they're they're at dinner and now he's he's a changed man. Okay, well, well, did someone tell him, if you do this, Jesus will like you? Nah, I mean, Jesus already likes him. He he ran up on him, decided, hey, I'm coming to your house today. So it's not like that could be the case. Uh, uh, What happened here? What happened to Zacchaeus? What happened to Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus saw Jesus. At some point in the conversation, As the bread and the wine are being passed, the dinner table had turned into an operating table, and Zach had received a new heart. It's as if what the text says, where if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, is true. We don't get the conversation. We don't get the breakdown. That's not what's important. What's important is Zacchaeus' changed, and we know the only way he could be changed is if he saw God, and the only way he could see God is if God had given him a new heart. In this moment, he sees Jesus, and his whole world falls apart and comes together at the same time. I've seen something. That's what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we know it's actually a conversion because of the following verses, 9 and 10. At this, Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is big. Three things you need to catch Jesus saying, salvation has come to this house. That's what we're seeing the results of. As rich as Zach was, he was spiritually bankrupt and needed a savior. Don't think that Zach got better at the table. Zach came to life at the table. Sin does not make you bad. That's nowhere in the Bible. What sin does is it makes you dead. And Jesus brings you to life. Now, Zacchaeus being brought to life says, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. Anyone I've robbed, I'm going to pay them back four times over. His salvation, not a result of his actions, but his actions, a result of his salvation. Because salvation always produces fruit. And if there is no fruit, I'd highly suggest you go back and check to see if there was actually any root. Because that's what salvation produces. This man is changed. The evidence is in the fruit. Then he says he is a son of Abraham. Now, this in the time frame is affirming him as, as a man of God. Uh, it's affirming him culturally, it's affirming him racially, but it's also saying he also is in on the family. He's also mine. I, I have him too. I know what he did. I have him too. Remember, I know what you did, and I have you too. He also is a son of Abraham. Why? Because the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Being lost ain't all that bad. Because what is lost (laughs) is searched for. If you're lost, it implies there's somewhere you belong. But being lost and all the bad, you could just exist and not be lost. No one looking for you. But the son of man, Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek so that you could see. That's what Jesus wants, your heart. People talk about, oh, I don't go to church. You know, they just want your money. No, go to church. Uh, they, they take up your Sundays. Jesus wants so much more than your money. He wants so much more than your Sunday. It's way worse than that, bro. <laughs> he wants your heart. He wants you. Which is beautiful. Because our Savior specializes in heart transplants. And that's what Zacchaeus got. So that he could see God and when that happens you don't get puffed up you don't get prideful you get humble you're meek and only the meek have what it takes to be a peacemaker remember we got two verses blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God immediately followed by blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God peacemakers. I wish it had said peacekeepers. That's a way lower bar. You know what I mean? Like, like, like just keep the peace. People who, who just, you know, don't cause problems. People who swipe things under the rug. People who maintain the status quo. But a lot of harm has been done to a lot of people under the guise of keeping the peace. But we have not been called to keep the peace. We have been called to make the peace. Zacchaeus didn't just get generous, he got just. He's not just giving money away. Everyone who he wronged, he's going back and paying them back with interest because that's what peacemaking looks like. Sacrifice on behalf of others. That's the example of our savior, is it not? Who came to make peace with us? It cost him something. He's a peacemaker now. And immediately, the text is true. He says, I'm going to make peace. And what does Jesus call him? You're a son. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. He immediately says, yeah, yeah, you're you're in the family. How how do you know? Because you look like me. You're my son. You're a peacemaker. That's what I look like. That, that's what Jesus looks like. He is a peacemaker. You're following my lead as the prince of peace in making peace. To be, to be clear tonight, peacemaking is costly. Just ask Jesus. Peacemaking is unpopular. Just ask Jesus. Peacemaking takes initiative. Peacemaking isn't fair. Peacemaking is embarrassing. Peacemaking repairs what's broken. Peacemaking is hard, just as Jesus, but blessed are the peacemakers. This wasn't just Zacchaeus in the natural. This was Zacchaeus with a new heart. And the way he gave his heart back to God was by giving it to God's people. I love the worship we just had in here. In a minute, we're going to sing again. But he does not want your song if you still going to treat his people bad. He's uninterested. Read Amos. Read Joel. He's good on the song. I'm looking for people who look like me. I'm looking for my sons. I'm looking for my daughters. I'm looking for people who go out and make peace. So when, when we see racial injustice, we're not silent. We don't say, oh, that was in the past. We use our voice and we act. But when we see human trafficking, we don't just say, oh, that, that's someone else's problem. What can I do? We do the harder work of auditing our lives and seeing where we may be contributing. When scripture hasn't even been written in the language for over 3000 people groups, we open up our pockets and we give to that. When a relationship with a parent is non-existent because of words that have said or things that have happened. We step in with truth knowing we are already sons and daughters of the king. When gossip is flying, we shut it down in the name of Jesus and speak life. When we've wronged somebody, we don't let bygones be bygones. We apologize, we change, and we ask for forgiveness. We don't just react to offense, we respond to hurt. When truth is being muddled by the culture and we say, no, 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 it's not follow your truth, but the way the truth the life, the truth of this gospel will set you free. When our city, your campus, your workplace look helpless, we stand in the gap and intercede that God will remove the scales from their eyes. We're peacemakers now. Because we can see God now. Not because of anything we've done, but because He sees you. I don't know all the stories in this room tonight, in this place, but what I do know is that God had ha- has had his eye on you for a long time. And you're here right now, not just because this is what you do on Tuesdays. You're here right now, not just because someone invited you. You're here right now, just, not just because, you know, you felt bad and you hadn't been in church in a minute, so you decided to come. No, you are here because God wanted you to know that despite what you've done, he sees you. Zacchaeus runs up in a tree so that he can see Jesus. And Jesus comes to him and says, Zacchaeus, you can come down from there. You don't need to get up on a tree so that you can see me. Because I I'm going to get up on a tree so that you can see me. They're gonna put me up on a tree called the cross so that you might be able to see me, that I might be able to give you a new heart, that I could give you a heart of flesh for your heart of stone. You don't need to get up in the tree. You don't need to get up in the clout. You don't need to get up in in the salary. You don't need to get up in the relationship. You don't need to get up to have peace, to know love, to know purpose. You don't have to get up in a tree to see Jesus because Jesus got up on a tree so he could see you. You can see God tonight. He already sees you. You can know your maker. You can know peace. You can know love and you can rest, (laughs) yeah. You can rest that one day you will see clearly what you see now through a glass dimly. That you're not just gonna see God spiritually, but there is coming a day for the believer where you will see your savior face to face. He'll wipe every tear from your eye. He'll hold you. He'll speak to you. Just as he spoke to the disciples, just as he said to to people all over, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. And you won't even have to say, go and sit no more. Because you'll be in a place where for the first time in your life, you've actually experienced freedom. Culture thinks freedom is the right to do whatever you wanna do. That's not what freedom is. Freedom is doing whatever you want to do, and it aligns with the will of God. That's what's coming for you. That's what's coming for the believer. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I I just wonder if God is doing any heart transplants in this place tonight. You can know him. You can... You can put your faith fully in Jesus tonight. You don't, you don't have to go home and clean up. You can never make it clean enough. You could know Jesus, you can know your maker. He gave up his heart on the cross. His heart was pierced, it burst so that he could have yours. And so if that's anyone in this place who wants to put their faith fully in Jesus, wants to repent of their own way of trying to run up into their little trees and say, no, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna trust the one who got on the tree for me. If there's anyone in here who says, I wanna be saved tonight. I wanna put my faith in Jesus, I I wanna repent. I just wanna pray with you. It's not gonna be anything special about my prayer, but I, I just wanna know who I'm praying with and for. And so if that's anyone in this place tonight, again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna just ask you to to raise your hand just so I can see who it is I'm praying for. Who would say, I want to be saved. I wanna put my faith in Jesus. See hands all over this room, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna pray, but you put this in your own words. Jesus, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for, for not leaving me up on that tree. Thank you that you didn't just want to catch a little, a little glimpse of me. You you wanted me to come, you wanted to come to my house. You want to be in relationship with me. And so if that's the case, Lord, I. I just wanna give you my life. I wanna give you my my heart. I wanna give you my will, my emotions, so that I can have your heart, so that I could be activated as a peacemaker into this world. Lord, I, I repent for my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you're in control, you're in charge, you are the son of God. You did get up on a cross, you did die, you were buried, but three days later, you rose up from the grave and I'm putting my full faith, my full hope, my full trust in that fact. Lord, save me. Yes, Lord, as they're, they're praying that, my new brothers and sisters, I ask that you just meet them in such a unique way, that you'd give them courage to make the, the next steps in their faith, that you'd give them uh, such a unique encounter with you as they seek you out in your word, as, as they seek you out in, in, in worship, as they seek you out in prayer, as that you'd plant them in community, that that can spur them onto the things of God. I pray that you would bind their heart to yours, just like you did with David, that, that these would be people after your own heart. all possible because of what you've done. And before we lift up our heads, before we sing, I just wanna pray for one more group of people. And those would be people who you are saved. You know jesus but you haven't been able to see him lately because you're letting for, uh, yeah this is what i feel holy spirit for some of you it's sin for a lot of you it's not even what you actually did it's the shame of what you did that is eclipsing your view of your savior some of you need to be set free from shame in this place tonight It's not about what you can do. It's not about your tree. For some of you, your tree is your righteousness. You can come down from there. And so if that's you, I'm gonna just ask you to raise your hand just so I can see who I'm praying for. You need to be set free from from shame, sin. You need to see God again. You need to have him return to you the joy of your salvation. Father, thank you for the courage, the boldness of those lifting their hands here in this place. I pray that they would get a revelation of Romans chapter 8, that nothing can separate them from the love of God, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray that, that it wouldn't just be a memory verse. It would change their minds. It would, ch- yes, Lord, it would do one deeper than that. It would change their hearts do the work you need to do. Even now as we sing, even now as the altars open, Holy Spirit, minister. It's not about a message. It's about an encounter with you. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We need you. Minister in this place. In Jesus' name.